When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's Let's ride. for the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What's going on, everyone? Thank you for listening to The Incline. we got an awesome episode today. We're actually going to be joined by Victor Rojas in a little bit, so stay tuned for that because that's going to be an awesome interview. Jake Reiner, David Rosenthal, how you guys doing? Good, Kevin. Good to be here. Yep, doing well. Uh, awesome interview from Victor Rojas coming up. You're definitely going to want to stay tuned uh, after these next uh, five, ten minutes. Yeah, so in case you haven't heard, Trevor Bauer is a Dodger. But at the moment of this recording on February 10th, he still has not signed with the team, but we did see his agent, Rachel Luba, flying into LAX, showcasing her nice little suite in her hotel room. So I think the signing is imminent, and we're still waiting to hear if he passed his physical. But yes, Trevor Bauer is already doing awesome things in the Dodgers Twitterverse, hyping up his Dodger tenure, communicating with fans, answering questions. He actually answered one of my questions asked him what his walk-up song is going to be in 2021, and he told me what it's going to be. It's some metal Viking song, but what do you guys think about the Bauer tenure so far? You guys hyped? I mean, I think he's awesome. I always have. Uh, you know, has he had some questionable interactions in his past? Yeah. Uh, but he also tells these internet keyboard warriors to, to shove it, uh, which is awesome. It's refreshing to see an athlete, uh, you know, not take crap. Uh, if you go to his page and talk crap on him, be prepared to deal with the heat that comes with stepping into the kitchen. It's that simple. Uh, I'm, I am super excited to have this guy. Uh, he's going to dominate on the field, but uh, he's, you know, he's, he's interacting with fans. It's super cool to see. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sort of, it's been, it's been difficult for me just, just wrapping my head around this just cause I've, you know, I've done a bunch of research on, on Trevor Bauer and just kind of the, the interactions he's had with fans. And, and you're right, David, you know, if, 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 if you're on Twitter, if you're, you know, diving into his mentions and trying to, you know, uh, get, you know, get a rise out of him, he's going to respond. I mean, that's just the type of person he is. I just think that, you know, he needs to, at some point, uh, cut it off and not, you know, go so far and, and, you know, ruin someone's day. Um, I think there needs, I think hopefully in the future, he can kind of, uh, come to a point where it's like, okay, maybe one to two responses, and then I'm going to forget about it and, you know, not worry about, you know, these sort of 
you know, petty people on Twitter uh, and, and, you know, cause more, you know, bring more attention to him than, than he needs to. And I think that that's, you know, that's the one thing I worry about with him, but so far, I mean, he's been, you know, uh, pretty great with, with Dodgers fans so far, you know, interacting with them saying that, you know, if, you know, if you see me at the park, if, if fans are allowed to be there, I'll sign autographs and stuff like that. The one thing that, um, that, um, that we're waiting for is for him to actually, you know, officially sign with the team. And Kevin mentioned, you know, he has to go through a physical and stuff. And I'm wondering if that is what's holding up what is going on with Justin Turner, because that wheel has been spinning very slowly. And it seemed like a, you know, a slam dunk signing for the Dodgers, no brainer. Uh, and we're still waiting and we're, you know, less than a week or so away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've talked about this before, uh, you know, the 40 man roster is full so that technically they can't sign him unless, you know, they, they move someone off. Uh, and with, you know, his agent being in LA, I think it, he is going to sign the contract probably I would guess tomorrow. I was, I, I originally guessed today, but I, I think it's going to be some maybe tomorrow or Friday. Uh, and unless they can get a trade, I think uh, we've seen the last of possibly Josh spores. Uh, you know, we could see him. A trade is coming. Don't worry. I agree. I agree. I think there's going to be a trade, but I think to get him on the roster, they're going to have to possibly, you know, move someone uh, just off the roster. In general. Down on Sabor's, but he was not bad last season. Oh, he wasn't. Very. He's just, you know, the problem is he's he's on the Dodgers. That's his problem. Yeah. Is there's there's just so much talent ahead of him, uh, and I'm not saying you know he's going to go play with the Hanshin Tigers or the Yo Murray Giants in Japan. Uh, I think he'll find a team, you know, in. In MLB, I, I just don't think it's going to be the Dodgers. Even if Trevor Bauer never throws a ball for the Dodgers, he's already had a more successful tenure than Brandon McCarthy, in my opinion. That's and, not saying a lot. <laughs> and Chris Hatcher, in my opinion, but Kevin's going to get mad yeah. at me for that one. I mean, look. Hatcher, Brandon McCarthy, Brandon McCarthy, McCarthy got paid. Enough, yeah, Brandon McCarthy got paid. You know, similarly, though, Kevin, uh, Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> Uh, Brandon McCarthy, uh, is, uh, sorry, I've got the uh, impeachment trial on my mind. Um, Brandon McCarthy is sort of similar in the sense, uh, to, to Trevor Bauer, outspoken guy on Twitter, not afraid to share his opinion. Yeah, that's true. Just, you know, some people like his thoughts more than Trevor's, but that's a different story. Yeah. So there was an article published today by the LA times by Jorge Castillo involving wonderful article. Great, yeah. great piece. So you guys should definitely check that out. It involves Clayton Kershaw and kind of where his future lies. I'm not going to give away too much, but you guys can add what you want to this. But essentially, you know, he's going into the final year of his contract with the Dodgers, and he is a little uncertain whether he's going to pitch in 2022 or not. You know, it's leaning like he probably will. With Will it be the Dodgers? We don't necessarily know. He wants to be a Dodger, but, you know, the Texas Rangers are another team close to home for him. And the only thing worth mentioning also is he retired his glove, which I actually learned today that he's been using since his rookie year. Yeah. And if you, if you take a look at the article, uh, Jorge has a picture of that glove and it, it looks awesome. It looks like one of those like early 1900s 
gloves. It looks worn and it's just really, really cool. And Kershaw apparently has that displayed at his house. But yeah, I mean, look, the, the article basically kind of, uh, you know, clues you in on three possible options, right? That he uh, ends up re-signing uh, with the Dodgers uh, at, at the end of his contract through the 2021 season. He either retires after this season is over or he goes and plays for another team. I don't know what the point of playing for another team. If, if I mean, if he's going to play for the Rangers, they're nowhere near, uh, you know, World Series bound by any means. I mean, that in my mind, that would be the only reason to play another season is to get another World Series ring. And for Kershaw, who who's who's already reached that mountain and he's already gotten that ring, um, it it just seems to me and. And there's a quote in there from Andrew Friedman too, which is which is uh, kind of nice, which is that he he wants Kershaw to finish his career as a Dodger. Don't sleep on the Rangers; they have Victor Rojas now. It's true, <laughs> who is very very smart mind, and you'll hear from him in a minute. But uh, he's not throwing a pitch for anyone else but the Dodgers. He's just not. He's an institution. Uh, they'll they'll pay him. He's not going to ask for a ton of money. He knows where he's at. Uh, and also, I, I don't get this. Like, he's still good. I don't think he's, like, a year away from being not, you know, effective anymore. Uh, I get that he wants to, like, you know, spend more time with his family. But this isn't a retirement because he's not effective. No, yeah. Uh, this is strictly personal. Uh, personal reasons. But like I said, uh, I've, I've commented on this before. I, I put it out there online that if he throws one pitch for another team, I'll live stream myself eating five full <laughs> stalks of uncooked broccoli and a piece of printer paper. Uh, so I'm, I'm very committed to this at this point, And I also don't think he's going anywhere else, but the Dodgers, not that wins really matter, but he's sitting at 175 wins. Let's see him get it up to that 200 mark. He's around a little less than 500 strikeouts away from 3002, which seems a little ambitious if he's looking at a, a year to year at this point. But you know, if he sticks around for three years, it's very doable. Right. You know, we we talk about Justin Turner, I think every week now. I'm starting to get a little worried. He might Craig Kimbrell this and sit it out until he gets what he wants. I don't think so. It's I it's mean, hard to tell. It's hard to tell what's aren't signed. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's it's hard to tell what's going on. You know, there. You know, when it comes to yeah. Andrew Friedman, there are no leaks at all, so we don't know you know, who's being stingy, uh, you know, it may not, it may be that nobody's being stingy and it's just, you know, it, it has a lot to do with Trevor Bauer. We mentioned the 40 man roster. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts to this. It's not just, uh, you know, what can we, you know, how can we lock up Justin Turner? There's a lot of other factors at play. So it, it's hard to tell whether or not he is he is the one that's being stubborn about this or the, or the, or the Dodgers are the ones that are being unreasonable. It's hard to tell. Maybe nobody is. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, I don't, I think he'll be signed. I, I still do. I, I'm dying on this till I don't know when, uh, but you know, they got to do something soon. 103 wins is their projection right now by Picota. So that's pretty good. It's the best in baseball Vegas, I think has them as a minus 200, which is insane as well so it's looking good for the dodgers odds to repeat but yeah they still need yeah, i think to win the i think to win it all i think they're plus 300 i think the yankees are second and they're plus like 600 or something so they're more than you know double the odds of the next best favorite wow jake did you want to read the dates real quick i know you have the update involving... yeah so just just very 
quickly, I, I sort of touched on it a little bit, but uh, February 17th is when pitchers and catchers report. So we're recording this on the 10th. So we're, you know, less than a week away from that. Um, the, the Dodgers typically have uh, position players show up early. We've seen in past years, but that won't happen this season due to health concerns. Uh, the first pitcher and catcher workout is the next day. Then the first full team workout is February 23rd. And then on the 27th is the first spring training game versus the Cubs. Interesting to note, though, that uh, fans will not be able to attend the workouts or get autographs on the backfields, but they are going to be able to attend games in pod seating, so not at full capacity. So that is interesting that they are allowing fans to watch these spring training games. Yeah, that's about it. You know, it's a little quiet right now. We're just waiting for those Two big dominoes to fall. Shout out to Jake McGee getting a two-year. Nice little payday with the San Francisco Giants. Wish him the best of luck there. You know, I thought he was a pretty good fit last season. I didn't expect him to return anyways. He did his job, got got a ring. Freeman has been linked to this guy since his Tampa Bay days, so I'm glad McGee got that championship. All right, guys. We're so excited today because we're joined by one of the most established men in Major League Baseball. You might recognize him, especially out here in Southern California. He was the Angels TV play-by-play announcer from 2010 to 2020. He's taking on a new challenge now, moving out to Texas under the Texas Rangers AA team. He's the new general manager of the Frisco Rough Riders. We're joined today by Victor Rojas. How's it going, Victor? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Good, man. Thanks for having me on. We're we're very thrilled. You know, as a Dodgers fan, we're all Dodgers fans. I'll be honest. Sometimes I listen to Angels games, and I you are one of the best out there. So it's a pleasure today. Well, I appreciate it, man. I had a lot of fun. Uh, had a good run for 18 years in the big leagues doing it, and time to do some uh, something else and keep me uh, closer to home here in the Dallas area. Yeah. So Jake actually had a question regarding you interviewed recently with the Angels as a, the general manager position. Um, so go ahead, Jake. What was your question regarding yeah, that? Yeah, uh, Victor, first of all, man, it's good to see you again. Uh, Likewise, for those, of you, for, those, for those of you that don't know, I know you guys have been following me for years, but I was uh, an intern in 2011 for Fox Sports West and Prime Ticket. Uh, I did both the pre and post game show uh, for the Dodgers and Angels, and I worked with Victor and Mark Gubiza, uh with the Angels, and you guys were just awesome. I learned so much from you and just being being in the booth with you guys and watching you work was just such a thrill for me. So this is uh, another thrill for me to have you on our podcast. So welcome. Oh, thanks, um, Jake. I appreciate it, man. Of course, of course. Um, so yeah, I wanted to just sort of kick things off. I mean, you, you know, you had a great run as the Angels broadcaster. Um, and it was reported that you were in the running for the general manager opening for the Angels. And I'm just curious, you know, what, what that process was like, what happened in the interview room and what led you to uh, say that you were going to leave the Angels organization? Man, so there's a, a couple of layers to that. So let's, let's talk about the, the GM thing and how that all kind of came to fruition and it's really like a like a perfect storm is what I keep saying is that I've, I've been around the organization really going back to when my dad first joined it back in 1982. And so I've, I've been in and out of the organization. My dad was there 10 years, management 88. I played minor league ball for them. And then I spent 10, 11 years in the broadcast booth. So the Angels are really, along with the Royals, are near and dear to my heart. And, you know, as last year progressed, and maybe it was because of COVID and, and being out of the game for a little bit and spending time with the family, um, 
I just, I don't know, my priorities kind of shifted a little bit. And as the team started playing poorly, especially at the beginning and then towards the end of August, is when I first started thinking about maybe just jotting down some thoughts of, you know, how I could, you know, maybe impact the ball club, uh, sharing my thoughts with, just with John Carpino, with Artie Moreno uh, in the offseason. And then as September rolled around and, you know, there was blood in the water and there was talks of maybe Billy Epler is on the way out. That's the first time I really gave thought to, oh, what the hell? Let me let me throw my hat in the ring. And, you know, it's it's what's the worst that can happen? They say no, and we're not interested. And it turns out once uh, Billy was fired on that last game of the year, right after the last game of the year, I sent a text to, to Artie and uh, that day. And then John Carpino reached out to me a couple of days later about the interview process and they were going to include me. So that's how that whole process started. It was really just a true perfect storm of things. Uh, had it happened anywhere else or another time in my life, I probably wouldn't put in for it. But I just said, what the hell? Let me just, you know, shoot my shot. And, and I did. As far as the interview process, uh, you know, it, it was it's odd because it was a Zoom, right? So it's like it's it's tough to really get a feel for people when you are uh, on a on a camera, especially in an interview process, yeah. you know, body language and the like. And, and um, but, I, you know, I, I answered all of their questions. Uh, you know, I prepped for a couple of weeks to make sure that I was uh, up to speed on everything from the player development side to international scouting and uh, what my plans would be going, you know, into the off season and how I would attack the, the roster. And, uh, you know, it was a great conversation with John and uh, Bill Stoneman was a part of it as well. Uh, already listened to all of them. And, uh, you know, obviously it didn't didn't work out the way I had envisioned. And that was fine with me. And I was going back to being a broadcaster until uh, Chuck Greenberg, the owner of the former owner of the Rangers and owner of the Frisco Rough Riders, uh, shot me a text in November saying, hey, uh, I, I don't know if I'm looking to hire anybody, but just wanted you to know that my GM left to go do something else. And there's a there's an opening in Frisco. And that's kind of how that ball started and uh, led to a lot of conversations into December. Uh, a real, I mean, that's, it's the longest courtship I've ever been a part of. I mean, that was the longest interview process, about five plus weeks. And uh, it all wow. kind of came together in uh, right, right, right around New Year's is when it all finally came together. Yeah, I think it's really yeah. cool that you went for it because, you know, you've been with the Angels for 11 years. So if anyone's going to know the weaknesses and the strengths of this team, why not you? You know, I agree with some of the points I read. You know, you addressed their international scouting was one of the weaknesses and it just seems like every season they don't address the pitching, whether it's they sign guys or they build it in the farm. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know, you get uh, you get to that point, especially working in Southern California, the number two market in the country. And you do it for 10, 11 years. And, you know, I, I get where you get pigeonholed as as a broadcaster. Look, I've done this for 20 years. I'm 53 years old now. But prior to, you know, my broadcasting career, I, I was in the front office of, you know, arena football, minor league baseball, National Hockey League. I've done a lot of different things outside of broadcasting, and now I'm doing it again. But, um, you know, that's, that's where our, it wasn't just the fact that I felt like I'm the best person for the job. I presented it more of not only do I have the, base, the baseball background and the knowledge of the organization, especially from a historical standpoint, but I'm willing to think outside the box. I, I didn't want to just be a traditional general manager candidate and kind of give you the nuts and bolts of it. I, I wanted to think about it uh, in a different manner, not just the on the field product, but more so the structure in the office and, and changing the culture, changing the player development side of things and the mindset uh, as we delve into and not just analytics, but looking at things differently, not being pigeonholed into 
kind of a one size fits all mentality, mentality or philosophy. That was my whole process going in. And, um, you know, I, I feel that way. I'm, I'm, I'm really applying these same tactics now as the president and GM of a minor league organization, as I build my, my staff out, it's exactly what I'm doing now. So I'm, at least I'm getting the opportunity to do that. I'm curious, Victor, um, when you take a look at this team, you've had a essentially a bird's eye view to everything that's gone on in the field for the last, you know, uh, 11 years. Um, what, what did you see, um, on this roster throughout the years? What, what did you think that they were missing? Because obviously there, there have been some great players to pass through the angels organization while you were there. One of the greatest of all time at this point in our time is, is Mike Trout. Um, and, and us Dodgers fans, you know, we're watching from, from the, you know, from the outside and we're looking at this and we're thinking, man, you know, Mike Trout, it's a shame that he's, that we can't get, we can't get to see him at least in the playoffs. So what, what is it about this team that, that you, that you saw that you could, that you could change? And what about this current roster do you think uh, needs fixing or, or what are the big holes that you see? Well, I mean, you you look at the Dodgers roster, uh, especially on the pitching side of things, and then match it up to that of the Angels or to that of any, any team in Major League Baseball. Uh, The Angels really just have not drafted and developed pitching uh, in a long time. I mean, truth be told, you'd have to go back to to Jared Weaver or John Lackey as guys that were drafted and developed. Now, Matt Shoemaker was signed. He wasn't drafted, but he was signed by the Angels as a non-drafted free agent. And, you know, we, the Angels caught lightning in a bottle. Matt's taken off, and he's had a nice little big league career for a guy that went undrafted out of, out of a college in a uh, small college in, in Michigan. But if you don't draft and develop pitching, you're screwed. I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, baseball really is about pitching and defense. I mean, the offensive side is certainly it's great. But if you're, if you're going to establish a roster from the offensive side that you're going to try to score six runs – uh, every single night, but you give up seven that the math just doesn't work out. It's not really going to work out in your favor. Sometimes you can outslug them, but over the long course of a, of a six month season, 162 games, it's almost impossible to do that. I know that because having been with the Texas Rangers in the uh, 2003 to 08 range, that's what they tried to do. You know, you had a, you had a, a ball club that could hit a lot of home runs, but you had a staff ERA of five, five and a half, and you're not going to win a lot of games. So that's been the biggest issue uh, from, from the Angels perspective, the scouting and development uh, of pitching. You can also make the argument that the scouting and development from the player side, uh, from the uh, position player side, has also been uh, lacking to a certain extent. The Angels are fortunate now that they've got some guys in the pipeline that are highly touted prospects. Joe Adele, we saw a little bit of. Uh, I really love Brandon Marsh. I think he's on the cusp of getting there. Jared Walsh is involved. Uh, he was he was a later round pick. He's evolved into a gold glove type caliber player at first base. So you're starting to see that. But ideally, when you're looking at the big picture, the perfect scenario is, and I and the, and the Dodgers, I mean, you look at what they've done over the last five to seven years, is that you have both the position players and the pitching coming up at the same time. And if maybe, you know, the balance tips a little bit one way or the other, that's fine. But as they're all coming up, they hit the big leagues in stride. And then you can go out and get a free agent and plug a hole here and there and and, and make a run for it. It's hard to do that when you're constantly plugging holes year in and year out. I need a right fielder. I need a left fielder. I need two guys in the rotation. I need two guys in the bullpen. 
it's almost impossible to keep up, especially from an expense standpoint. So I think that's the biggest thing that uh, at least that what I, that's what I've seen. I think it's played out. I think the numbers have played that out. And uh, the hope is for, for the Angels that Perry Manassian is capable of doing that, that he brings in the right personnel, establishes the right mindset. He's certainly come from two organizations in which, uh, you know, he's learned from in the Toronto Blue Jays and the Atlanta Braves, some success on both sides. And I'm sure he'll, he'll try to carry that over. But, you know, as that's happening, as you're ramping up on this end, you know, you're starting to get Mike Trout. He's now up here on, the, on his career, on the arc of his career, starting to go backward, you know, on the, on the downside. And that's, that's the fear is that you miss out completely in his career and capitalizing uh, what that guy has been able to do at the major league level. Right. Yeah, and that's, that ties into my, my first question for you is, you know, you're a GM now, so I'm going to ask you a GM question. Um, I predicted Bauer going to the Angels early, early on. Uh, obviously, they signed Rendon. They tied a lot of money up in that department. Uh, but I just can't understand why the Angels wouldn't go after Bauer. You mentioned the, uh, you know, the lacking of, you know, pitching uh, development and stuff. But this just seems like a perfect fit on both ends. Bauer can go to L.A. for the big market. Angels can open up the bank, get their ace that they're lacking. Uh, you know, obviously, Quintana and uh, Cobb are, are good plug-and-play guys. Uh, and I'm a big D- Dylan Bundy fan, too. But but Bauer was just, like, the number one target for the Angels, in my mind. Uh, so what's your, what's your take on how the lack of pursuit – I mean, I don't know if they even pursued him. It didn't sound like they did. Yeah. Uh, is it – the only explanation I can think of is, is finances. Cause other than that, it's a perfect fit in my mind. Yeah, no. And, and it, it's a perfect, uh, perfect example of, you know, what is it you want to accomplish in the off season and look, and look for the angels uh, going through the exercise that I went through, as far as the interview process, you know, I had to come up with my own plan as well. And if you were one pitcher away from the promised land, then yeah, I'd say, you know, go sign, go sign Trevor Bauer. I never thought he was going to cost as much as he did. Yeah. Um, to me, it becomes, you know, every, every general manager, every owner has a value attached to a player and they could justify to a certain extent. But if, if that value or that, that cost of the player exceeds the value by a great deal, it's going to turn off certain general managers because you can, you could probably find a similar type player, or two similar type players for the cost that it costs you for the one guy. And I think mm-hmm. that's what it all goes back to is that if, if the angels were one player away, one pitcher away, uh, then yeah, I think you go out and get Trevor and say, all right, let's go get them. You know, you roll the dice, but because you're looking for two starters and you're looking for two to three arms in the bullpen, when you look at the overall financial picture, especially right now, because it looks much better after this year, well, definitely, yeah. and even better after uh, after 22 when Justin Upton's contract comes off as well. Um, you know, you, you have to kind of plug and play. And I, I, for me, going into it, you know, I like Trevor Bauer, but I was looking at it from the mindset that the cost associated with that is really going to limit what I'm capable of doing on the backside. I need a catcher. I need a shortstop. I need a right fielder. I need four arms, basically, uh, from the mm-hmm. pitching side, and the rotation and the bullpen. And so that's where you have to find that balance somehow of you know, justifying the cost. For the Dodgers, it's easy, right? Because you look around the roster and you're like, all right, I get a chance to and, – and you got to keep up with the Joneses, the San Diego Padres all of a sudden yeah. making all these moves. You're like, all right, we got the resources. What the hell? Let's, 
let's go. We just won a world championship. Let's, let's push all the chips into the, uh, the middle of the table again. And it makes perfect sense. And that's where I, as it boiled down to it, I, it made sense for either the Dodgers or the Mets to be involved in that situation. And the Mets are still looking to kind of fill that hole in the, uh, in the starting rotation. Yeah. yeah. It, just, it just seemed like just to piggyback off that, it just seemed like, you know, the, the, the angels have historically over the past few seasons have gone out and made this, you know, these big free agent splashes, whether it's you know, Josh Hamilton or Albert Pujols or, you know, uh, re-signing Mike Trout or the Rendon deal. It seems like they're always giving these large contracts to, uh, you know, big offensive players. Right. But it seems to me that like what you're saying is that what, what they're lacking is building the foundation to be able to say, okay, we can go out and get Rendon or we can go out and get Trevor Bauer and that would be the missing piece or that would right. push us over the top. Right. Whereas like with the Dodgers, it was like, okay, well, we know that if we go out and get someone like Mookie Betts, we know that that's going to push us over the edge and we're going to win or we're going to win a world, a world series, or at least put us in the world series. Mm -hmm. So it just, it's just, it's always been confusing to me because you know, they, they went big on Albert Pujols, like right after, you know, the height of his career in St. Louis. And it just hasn't been the, you know, the, the team hasn't been there for him right. and the team hasn't been there for trout. And it's just, it, it's, it's always been, it's always been confusing to me. Yeah. It, it's, and it's not the fact that the angels haven't been players in big time free agent pitchers. Cause they have, I mean, they clearly wanted Garrett Cole prior to last year and, you know, he in his heart wanted to go to New York and, and sign with the Yankees. So they've, they've had opportunities uh, and it certainly wasn't because the Angels shortchanged an offer. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, you, sometimes you just can't read what a player is actually thinking. And sometimes it's not about the dollar. It's what's in their heart. And, and you have to just roll with it. Um, I, again, you know, you mentioned Mookie Betts. Uh, the Dodgers not only have the resources from the financial side of things, which the Angels obviously do as well. But you had the assets to go out and acquire Mookie Betts and David Price. Uh, yep. You've got those pieces. Again, I, I hate to break it down and, and really just make it really granular, but you've got to draft and develop uh, and or you've got to trade wisely and, and pick up and restock your farm system. A.J. Preller has done that. I mean, A.J. Preller, you know, if I'm not mistaken, has been suspended once, if not twice. He's kind of bent the rules a little bit, but – he is heavy in international scouting, and when he has made trades in the past, he has plucked the right guys to fill his farm system up, and now he's got, you know, he's got the assets, just like the Dodgers had, to go out and get you, Darvish, to go out and get Blake Snell, to get Musgrove. Uh, when you have those assets, it makes it that much easier. Now, I don't know that the Cubs or the Pirates or the Tampa Bay Rays uh, got the best overall deal possible. It seems like yeah. <laughs> more 75 cents on the dollar than, than really, a, uh, you know, full value for those prospects, but that's what the market bore out, you know, cause I look at the deals and I'm like, in, in my mind as a, as now just a fan, I'm thinking, man, I, I know we're not that deep in the offense or in the, uh, in the minor league system. I'm talking about the angels, but I think we probably could have put a package together for you, Darvish. I mean, if I'm just, comparing apples to apples from the package that was actually sent to what the angels could have offered. You probably mm -hmm. could add you Darvish or Blake Snell, but it all goes back to how do those GMs value your guys? Cause you're always going to value your guys a lot higher or just a, a tick higher 
than what everyone else values them. What you think you have may not be what's actually being perceived uh, in the general public. And I think that's where you find those balances when you have those conversations with general managers. Right. Let's talk about Big Fly. So Big Fly Gear is celebrating its two-year anniversary, I saw. Um, yep. It's a great company. You guys should check it out. What I have to say is the Dodgers World Series shirt. I don't know if you guys are still selling it, selling it, but that one really stood out to me. I thought that was really awesome that you guys did it. Uh, on the website, there's a 755 to honor the late Hank Aaron. Yep. And there's also a She Is Gone 1988 shirt, an iconic Vince Scully's call when Kirk Gibson hit that home run. Can you just tell us a little bit about the company and kind of how it started? Yeah, we, so we, uh, about three years ago, three plus years ago, we wanted to, to start a family business, kind of just teach the kids uh, the idea of the entrepreneurial spirit and building something, creating, a, have an idea and, and take it to fruition. And um, we ended up wanting to do an apparel company, but we didn't, you know, from a licensing perspective, it just, it's so expensive to get an MLB license or a Players Association license. Uh, and we didn't want to do what everyone else was already doing. Baseballism has created this cool little niche for themselves outside of the licensing, although they've delved into the licensing after the fact, but they created this cool little niche initially. And I'm thinking, well, what can we do that would kind of set us apart from everyone else, especially baseballism? And so we came up with the idea of trying to create stories uh, based on a you know, player person or moment in baseball history revolving around the home run. You know, Big Fly is a home run call uh, that I've used for, for a lot of years. And um, that's what we came up with. And I hooked up with a, a really cool designer, Bryce Rays, who uh, lives in Corona, Southern California guy. And he and I are kind of on the same page as far as what we like design-wise and kind of old school and uh, old souls, if you will. And we like that throwback look. And, um, you know, we threw some stuff on the wall to see what's stuck. And, you know, we launched two years ago today. And, and it's, been a, it's been a fun run. You mentioned the Dodger thing. We weren't going to do um, – a World Series shirt, but we went to game one. I took my family uh, since it was in our backyard here. Uh, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, you know, why don't we try to do a, you know, whoever wins a World Series, let's create a World Series shirt just to see what it does. And so we came up with a couple of designs, uh, the Dodger one and then a Rays one just in case. And we put it up there and man, that thing sold through real quick. And Alana Rizzo was, has been great to us. She's a great friend of mine. And uh, she's been so great as far as pumping us, especially from the, the Dodger side of things. And mm -hmm. uh, we have a lot of Dodger followers and it's, it's been cool. And that thing sold out three times. So we're not, we're done selling it. Um, so I guess you guys have to go back and win it again so I can create a, <laughs> a different one. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta know, bring the know there's a, there's, there's certain, certainly a, a lot of fans that uh, appreciated the look and, and what we were able to create. Yeah. I think you guys got to bring it back. Who knows? It might sell out a fourth time. <laughs> yeah. I definitely would. I definitely would be in the market for that. Yeah, me too. Um, I, Victor, I wanted to ask you about big fly, the call and, and a couple of other, your iconic calls that you've made. So big fly, obviously the home run call light that baby up is when the angels win. And, and it's when the, uh, the big a, the 230 foot tall a outside angel stadium lights up. And then when the angels walk it off, you would say drive home safely. Right. And I'm always curious as a, as a fan of broadcasting and listening to as many broadcasters as I can, I'm always curious as to how the, the different broadcasters come up with their signature calls. And uh, a lot of them say that they don't, you know, think about it before it happens, but I'm sure you have some unique stories or, or moments that these calls kind of came, you know, came to your mind and, and then yeah. you said them, can you kind of talk about you, some of the calls that you've made over the years? 
Sure. Uh, I'll take the three that you just mentioned. So big fly, big fly is just a term, you know, when you're in the minor leagues, there's all kinds of things that you could call a home run. Big fly was one of them. And when I started the broadcasting thing with Newark, um, you know, I was kind of going through a bunch of different iterations of what I was going to call a home run when we had Conseco on our roster and those guys. And, and so big fly is the one I settled on and it's what I've been using ever since. And that's how that came about. It's not, it's not original meaning, it's just like saying home run or she is gone or whatever the case may be. See ya is Michael K's call. Um, but it's just one of those things that kind of popped in my head and I liked it and just kind of stuck with it. Like that baby up. Um, I, uh, you know, with Rory passing away in, in January, Rory Marcus passing away in January of 2010. Um, I didn't, I didn't, as I got into the position, didn't want to do something that he had done. And I just wanted to, you know, I just wanted it to be Rory's, um, but I did want to do something with the big A. And, um, you know, so I just came up with um, the old double entendre, light that baby up. And so, I mean, <laughs> people could kind of figure out, uh, you know, the old victory cigar, if you will, plus the, uh, the big A. And uh, that's, that's kind of what I went with. And, you know, I threw it out there and it seemed to stick a little bit. And that's what I just kept doing uh, every time the Angels won. And um, the last one what was the last one you asked me about. I forgot. Drive home. Oh, uh, drive home safely. Okay, so drive home safely was more so. You know, people say, "Well, I'm already home. I'm you know, I don't need to drive. I'm I'm watching you on TV." Drive home safely was more of uh, so when you are on the opposite side of a diamond, you tend to chirp to the other team, especially when you're winning or you've won a game and you talk smack. And the drive home safely was more or less on a walk off. Well, it's the only time you really say it. it's a walk off. Um, basically telling the other team, it's me yelling to the other team to just get off the field and drive home safely. Yeah. It's not, I'm not telling anybody in particular to drive home safely except <laughs> the guys on the field that the Angels beat. So that's how that came to be. So, you know, I've, I've screwed around and said different things. Uh, there was a, an afternoon game. I don't even remember when it was, but it was one of those dog days of summer afternoon games. And Trout came to the plate. I think it might've been a Sunday afternoon and trout came to play with the bases loaded. And I was just goofing around. Sundays are usually those, uh, we, we call them giddy Sundays. We're always just so punch drunk from the night before. Uh, and I told my stage manager, Dean Benson, who Jake, you know, I'm sure. Of course. Uh, uh, I said, I put, I put my uh, cough button down. I said, dude, if, if he hits a home run here, if he hits a grand slam, I'm going to yell slam a lama ding dong. Well, slam a lama ding dong <laughs> is Joe Buck's, uh, what he called it, I think it was a Budweiser commercial from Dodger Stadium. He said, slam a lamo ding dong. So sure as hell, you know, Trout hits one out the right center field. I'm looking at Dean as I'm making the call and I stand up and I yell, slam a lamo ding dong. <laughs> I got so much grief for that because people were like, is he drunk? Uh, what the hell is slam a lamo ding dong mean? And it was like, we were slapping high fives because we said we were going to do it in the booth. And um, so it's just, I've never, you know, I've never adhered to like, and it's probably not the right thing to say, but I didn't, you know, I, I kind of grew into this job. I, I didn't go to school to become a broadcaster. I just kind of fell into it. And so I kind of carved, I had to figure it out along the way. Right. And so I just figured I'm going to do my own thing. And, you know, if people like it, cool. If, especially Artie, if he likes it, cool. I'll stick around. If not, I get fired and, you know, I'll go do something else. But I wanted to be unique in my own way and the way I describe things and, and have fun, uh, I have a deep appreciation for the history of the game. I love the game of baseball. I haven't grown up in it. Uh, I have an admiration for these guys on the field. 
And um, as, as well as those that have like Vin who have done what I've done for so many years, but I wanted to do it, you know, my own way. And that's kind of, I like having fun. It's a baseball game, man. You got to have fun. Yeah. I mean, you were behind the mic for some really iconic moments. Sammy Sosa's 600th home run, Albert Pujols 3000th career hit, which you got a lot of recognition for, but what was one moment as a broadcaster that you just kind of stood out to you as one of your favorites? Uh, Sammy's for the longest time was, was pretty cool. Just, and only because of the circumstance, it was, um, it was at home against the Cubs. Jason Marquis was on the mound and, uh, Marquis wearing Sammy's old number 21. Uh, you know, it's just the, it's the perfect, you know, perfect scenario. Uh, but then, you know, the, the, com- the combined no hitter two summers ago, uh, Felix yeah. Pena, Taylor Cole, uh, the Angels' first game back after Tyler Skaggs passed away. That, that to me is just – and the thing of it is, from our perspective, because it was so heavy on looking back at Tyler's life and career, th- pretty much through the first five innings, we're running all kinds of features and, and, and the like. The, the game was so secondary. You know, it was like – it was really just a celebration of life. And then it was like in the fifth, sixth, sixth inning, really, is when we go to commercial break and I'm looking at Gooby, I'm like – there's no way there's no way this is gonna happen and man lo and behold it did and it was just as the cool thing it was is how organic the the celebration was or everything that happened on the field the the jerseys being taken off I think it may have been Hansel Robles that took off his jersey first and put it on the mound and then everybody else started doing it It was just it's it's, it was amazing that uh, to be a part of that's something I'll never forget I just wanted to add real quick because I was I was at that game, mm-hmm. uh, the Tyler the the no the combined no hitter, and I was working for KCBS KCAL, and I was covering you know the aftermath of of the Tyler Skaggs tragedy, and I remember being in the parking lot waiting for my live shot to go, and I'm following along listening to you, um, and. I'm, you know, talking to my cameraman. I'm like, there's no hits. There's no hits. What's, you know, they're going to do it. And my cameraman, who's not a baseball fan at all, is like, yeah, dude, whatever. Like, you know, I'll be, I'll be ready to shoot it, whatever. And like, it was amazing to watch like Angel Stadium explode from the parking lot. Just, just the, the, the eruption of the crowd was just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And it just, it just gave me so much adrenaline to do that live shot. So that yeah, I, must have been a special I get goosebumps. moment to be there. You're talking about it. I, you know, I'm talking about it. I get goosebumps. I get emotional about it. Um, the, the amazing thing was, is that you're right. There was this, this huge roar of the crowd. And then as everything's happened on the field, then you, then you see the camera shots from our director just cutting the show. And then it, there's people crying everywhere. You know, yep. that, that's, that's what gets you. It's like, it's like this elation, like, oh my God, this just happened. And then all of a sudden it just hits you like, you know, what a moment, you know, and it was, it was something that I'll never forget. I still, they gave us, uh, they gave us jerseys because everyone wore 45 that day and they gave Gooby and I a jersey and we wore it throughout the broadcast. It's sitting in my, uh, it's sitting in my closet still. And it's just, you know, I want to frame it, but then I don't want to frame it. I just, I look at it periodically and it's just, it was just one of those moments that y'all never, never, ever forget. I don't think I could ever top that Hollywood. And no offense. I, I think Hollywood would have screwed up that ending somehow. You know what I mean? And yeah. Luis Renjifo almost did. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, he kind of fell down on that last grand ball. I was going to call this, this, the final out kind of like, you know, this real dull kind of like, Oh my God, there it is. And all of a sudden he falls down. And I, I'm like, 
in my head, I'm thinking, get up, don't screw this up, you know? Um, but you know, I'm, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad I was a part of it. That's almost Dodger, Luis Renifo. Half, <laughs> yeah. half Dodger. Wasn't he a Dodger like right now, last year? Or, yeah, for a, for a day or two, yeah, a couple right? hours. Right. David, did you want to ask Victor one question before we call it a day? Uh, um, we, can, we can let him go. Uh, just one, one quick thing I want to bother you for. You know, sure. I, watch, I watch all the highlights every, every, every night uh, when baseball's on. You know, I watch the Dodger games and I watch the highlights of all the games. And I got to say, Big Fly Otani-san is probably my favorite call there is. So can I bother you one more time for just a good old-fashioned Big Fly otani To say it? Just, just give me what you got. You know, what's funny is that every time uh, it, I, I never in my wildest dream ever thought it would be that big of a deal in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I did, when he hit that first home run at home, our first home game against the Indians, I didn't know what I was going to say, but that's exactly what just came out. And every interview to this day, uh, especially with those in Japan doing the Zoom, uh, I sit here and the last thing they say hey can you you know one time can you, can you say <laughs> yeah, can you, yeah. every single time uh, and uh I, you really want me to yell this as whatever you got you can yell all you want i i love it it's my favorite big fly oh tiny son there you go <laughs> perfect. Awesome. and that's pretty Thank much you. how i do it man I, I i learned from eric nadell who's the hall of fame broadcaster for the texas rangers and he scared me when I first started working with him. It, would, it was my second year in the big leagues doing this because I spent one year with the Diamondbacks and then got hired. So he said, he sat to my right and we're radio broadcasters, right? And big moments, Eric's one of those, he's one of those jumpy guys. And if something good happens, he stands up and, he, and like, where the hell did that come from? And he just, he got so emotional with the broadcast that that's just, that was his natural way of reacting to calls. And when you've got headsets on, you don't have to worry about a mic. Mm-hmm. The mic goes with you. So I, I don't know. Subconsciously, I must have just picked it up uh, because I fist pump. I mean, I, I stand up. All those things just happen. It's just a natural thing for me when, you know, it's like like a fan at home. When something good happens with your team, you get you get psyched about it and you kind of just let it all out. And that's kind of what happened with the Otani-san thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> awesome. What an awesome way to go out. That's Victor Rojas, everyone. Thank you so much for coming on The Incline. We really appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Great chatting with you. Thanks, Victor. Appreciate it. Good to see you. You got it, guys. Take care. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company, serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.